On this week's episode, Netflix has a royal fascination. Is it time to play The Witcher 3 again? And what does Gerald have in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, Humanican Media, The Happy Hoarder, plus everything that we do out there at popculturecosmos.com, plus the best place to go for all your up-to-date news and information on the realm of pop culture is no better place to go than the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where you also see a ton of hours in the video archives from the world and realm of tabletop RPG action. In fact, we had another great session with DM Mitch right there for you. I truly appreciate what he does. Streaming his live games right there for you at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Plus, of course, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Go ahead and check it out today. Again, the Happy Hoarder on Facebook. Go ahead and take care of everything that's there at the Happy Hoarder on Facebook or thehappyhoarder.com. And if you could do all that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is the Happy Hoarder himself somewhere in the land of Texas. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at thehappyhoarder.com. Plus, all the great stuff he has on display at The Happy Hoarder on Facebook. Like and follow today at The Happy Hoarder on Facebook. And, of course, the entire library is there at thehappyhoarder.com. And Humanican Media, everything that he does for the Super BS Gamescast, and oh, so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Or, oh, sorry, as the uh, introduction to what was made on Melon, the lady said, Josh the great what's up man i mean rumors of my greatness you know they're not exaggerated just so lady certainly loves you every time you pop onto the chat josh the great is in the chat room (laughs) yes you're welcome i'm just gracing the internet with my presence right now well it's so funny because in the intro i said your favorite line that you've ever said on the show what's in the box what's in the box Absolutely. Well, what is in the box? Well, earlier on Friday and also today, I am doing an unboxing of what's in the box I got from Free League Publishing. So go ahead and check it out on the back end of the show. Something really cool, and I'm really appreciative of it, and I cannot thank Free League Publishing enough. So you'll check it out again coming up on the back end of the show. Plus also as well, is it time to play Witcher 3 again? Because the update for next-gen systems on Witcher 3 is coming out this week. Is it time for you to delve into the world of The Witcher 3 once again? 
with all new content based off the Netflix series. We'll go ahead and talk about that on the show. Speaking of which, the big game release of December is Callisto Protocol. It came out earlier this month. Our thoughts on the spiritual successor to Dead Space with a Dead Space remake on the way. Is too much space horror? Too much space horror? We'll find out here in a bit. Plus, also, Josh is going to talk about anything that stood out to him at the Game Awards this past Friday. We'll talk about that, excuse me, this past Thursday. We'll talk about that coming up in a bit. Plus, I'll have some also final thoughts as well. And, of course, a whole ton of stuff leading into this weekend's big Avatar The Way of Water release. We'll talk about all the stuff that's coming out on Netflix that's coming up on the show as well. But first, my friends, speaking of Netflix, it is our royal fascination with the Netflix because the Crown latest season, that just finished with some big numbers, followed by the Harry and Meghan docuseries, which actually, for once, they didn't just throw all the episodes out at you. They just kind of gave you three here and then give you a little bit more later on. It is prolong the controversy is what they're doing there. Oh, absolutely. And I you know the UK tabloids and British press out there are really uh, not loving the fact that it's not shedding a good light on them at this point. Not trying to say anything in derogatory means. The docuseries itself is pointing out a lot of stuff as far as the British press are concerned. And they're not liking it all. But it is creating a lot of talk and a lot of controversy. But my friend... Our fascination around the world with the British Royals continues each and every time out on Netflix. Yeah, I don't know. That, that, that is very interesting. Yeah, between The Crown and there's a, the show about Diana, and now we have this documentary. I, you know, I, I haven't followed the whole, like, Harry and, uh, what's her name, Megan situation. I know they did something on Oprah, and... People were upset about like a like an expose, I suppose, but I don't really know much about it. So what what is is this something that like people is it going to change people's lives if it's on or is it more of the, one of those things where like I watch Downtown Abbey and I love the drama of other people. So I'm going to watch this. Is that what, what are your thoughts? Well, when Harry and Meghan decided to go ahead and leave the royal life when it comes to what they were dealing with in the UK, and decided to disassociate themselves from the crown and you know said we're going to be on our own make our own money things of that nature they signed a big huge podcasting deal i believe it's with spotify and then they also signed a big tv movie slash whatever deal with netflix as well so they're fine they're all set and this is part of it this is the residual returns that they're getting not only are the 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 podcast numbers for spotify but you're seeing the big numbers for Netflix. So in order to go ahead and, and, and I guess, relate their side of the story, I guess it just sheds a light on the, I guess, the turmoil that they had to deal with when they were in Britain, when he first married Megan, and also the fact that uh, she is of a different ethnicity as far as a mixed ethnicity, uh, the, and which I think that has sparked some controversy overseas in the U.K., uh, I guess it's been a source of uh, some issues, I guess, which is very sad, very, very disappointing to hear that that's the case. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to what they've had to deal with, they're telling their side of the story. And obviously it's not going to paint 
either the the royals in the UK that you know on the homeland for them, but I'll say for excuse me for Harry, but also it's going to paint a bad picture of the coverage that's been made because it's very tabloidy. It's very yeah, it seems uh, like you know, it. yeah, it, it's like TMZ multiplied by ten when it comes to the number of outlets and what they're reporting on, whether it's true, whether it's not. You know, that's I'll leave that up to the the British people because they know way more than I do about the British press. But you know, seeing as an outsider, as a as maybe a Yank, as I would say, as far as a Yankee here in the states, I, I say it's very tabloidy at times. But they can also be just like the press here, just very much like the press here. They can be on top of you and make your life very difficult for those in the public eye. Right. So I guess my big question here with something like this, because I and, and just with all this stuff, you know, I've seen magazines and I know there's, uh, you know, and Harry the, in the docuseries blames the press. Uh, he, he cuts no bones about it. He blames the press for his, his mother's death and the accident that she. Had. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure. And, you know, I know there's all kinds of conspiracies around, you know, the death of Diana, but like with this, is this need to see TV viewing? Is this going to be like life changing or why? Like, And I don't mean to sound like callous when I ask this, but why should we care? You know, well, the thing is, you say that and and maybe I do to some extent as well. But there's a royal fascination the world has that the U.S. has. I mean, look at all the numbers right. that, that took place for the funeral of the Queen Elizabeth and, and her passing and all the pomp and circumstances that came with promoting King Charles to the throne and, and yeah. all the numbers that everybody was so fascinated by, not only the millions upon millions of people in the UK that were, were mourning the loss of Queen Elizabeth and following it on television, but also the millions around the world that were watching everything going on as well. It seemed to be a source of fascination and conversation with a world society. So I have to mm -hmm. say that Netflix is smart by creating all these, whether it's the Catch drama of, of the crown or, or Harry and Meghan docuseries. Yeah. They're geniuses by the way that they're timing this out. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you can't blame them. You know, they're yeah. trying to make a, uh, they're, they're cashing in on something. I just, it's, I, and I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not trying to be callous, but I'm just, I'm genuinely interested in like the, the, from a viewer point, perspective like is this something that's going to like shake the world in terms of what would you call it like a streaming service expose no i think it's i mean because it's centered uh, you know the, the individuals in the you know the uk it's centered on the uk uh, and it's only affecting as far as what they're targeting after they're certainly not targeting the individual people or audience as a whole at least i don't think they are they're targeting mm -hmm. more of the press and then a little bit of the flag also goes away of everyone uh, or people inside the Buckingham Palace. So I think it's, it's yeah. you know, they are carefully and strategically targeting, you know, the certain individuals or groups in the UK, but they're not, they're not, they're not actually targeting, I don't think, the, the, the people in the UK. And I think that's probably very smart that they don't because again, coming off the, the devastating loss of Queen Elizabeth to many millions of people in the UK, you know, that's been such a devastating thing for them to have this come on top of that. And I think, again, it's, it's pointing out some of the things that are going on in the UK that Harry and Meghan want fixed. Right. Okay. So my last question to you, and we are both journalism majors, the, the, one of the 
big thing that they taught us in school, right, is the fact that like any type of slander can result in, you know, big big trouble for the person doing it. Obviously, that's not really held to a standard anymore, as we see from you know CNN and Fox News. But like, is this something that Netflix can get in trouble for? Well, hopefully they've got great lawyers that actually perused the actual docuseries before they aired it. I'm, I'm assuming that they, you know, the, that the press, especially those tabloids that they're targeting, are combing every single word to just say in case that they can throw something at, at Netflix. Because yeah. I do know the word is that they are extremely upset at uh, Harry and Megan in regards to the first three episodes that have aired as of this this taping of the show right now. So I'm, I'm assuming that if it goes any farther or gets any worse or the fingers start getting pointed or the blame starts going their way even more, that they're going to try and do what they can, if at all po- legally possible, to go ahead and make their lives uncomfortable even more. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's just such like a weird fascination, you know, like and maybe it's just because I don't get it because I'm not. I'm not fascinated with it at all, but like I, I do know people who just like can't keep their eyes off of it. So uh, good same for here, Netflix. My same here. Yeah. So good for Netflix. Just hopefully this doesn't get them in trouble because uh, you know, they're already they've been in the hole for so long. They're they're slowly starting to crawl out of it. But this is a this would definitely be a step in the wrong direction. Yeah, it definitely would be a step in the wrong direction. But for the numbers wise right now. Again, it's done great numbers for them. I mean, coming off the Stranger Things, then you had The Watcher, then you had the success of Wednesday. Wednesday has been killing it even above all The Crown and Harry and Meghan. You know, they've had one success story after another. The second half of the the year, they've really been killing it at Netflix, so I do got to give them their due. Plus, that doesn't even include the Knives Out sequel coming out later this month. They've got a lot of stuff that's good. And we're going to do it. It's not even talking about what things that I know you will like that's coming up after the break that we will be talking about. Yeah, I've I've been meaning to check out Wednesday. I have seen a lot of, uh, you know, there's what what's that show? 18 something or other on 1899 is actually I'm going to check that out this week. Yeah, as well. that, that's another one I've been wanting to watch. I don't know. They, they got they got a lot going on for them right now. And good for them because I was on the verge of. Um, you know, pausing the old Netflix subscription. Do you think they're putting out so many new things that they're going to reach a point where there's like a lull and people are expecting something new to come out, but it doesn't? Well, we keep saying that. But then again, remember Netflix, you know, we've been doing this now since 2016. And Netflix has grown into the company that, especially like what, 2019, 2020, 2021, they were just throwing out their every, anything and everything and seeing what sticks. I mean, that, that's that's yeah. their formula. That's their for, They're throwing a whole bunch of stuff at a whole bunch of genres. They're not just doing one thing. You know, stuff we've talked about with Disney where we talk, you know, lately they've been throwing out, especially the end of November, they threw out a whole bunch of stuff at the same time to see what sticks, mm-hmm. just like Netflix always does. People are used to it now, Netflix. People, you as a Netflix viewer are actually used to get seeing a whole season right there waiting for you a blockbuster which we was a disappointment as far as on a critical level and i'm assuming on a vis- uh, viewer level as well they threw out that season right there and that's already got swept under the rug and that's moved on and i don't think that's a, even getting a season two but then you have again all these other shows that they have there's a, a style there's a way that they're doing it people go ahead and, and 
check out what's next on Netflix. They check out everything and they check it out as quickly as possible for the most part. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and as we see a lot of, a lot of hours racked up on Netflix are just from people, you know, being bored at home and eating something to watch. So yeah. I guess if you're still accumulating those couch hours, you're you're doing pretty well for yourself. What are your thoughts out there on Netflix's royal fascination with the crown off its latest successful season? And right after that, the Harry and Meghan docuseries, which is still continuing on on Netflix, rivaling the great success of Wednesday. That series is still killing it on Netflix. What are your thoughts out there on the Netflix royal fascination with The Crown and Harry and Meghan? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, speaking of Netflix, my friend, this week, I think if you're not checking out The Crown and you're not checking out Harry and Meghan and you're not checking out 1899 just yet, and of course, you cannot check the Knives Out sequel just yet because that's coming out closer to Christmas, what you can check out this week is something I know that you have been waiting for, my friend. Actually, a couple things, maybe. First thing is that we'll talk about is Pinocchio from your favorite all-time director, at least one that you've talked about highly, more so than probably any other director that I think you've spoken about, and that's Benicio Del Toro, one of the great directors of the century. He is bringing out his own version of Pinocchio. Now, the standards for Pinocchio movies have gotten pretty low after the Tom Hanks debacle earlier this year on Mm -hmm. Disney+. Plus. But... This is something I think Advanced Word says it's pretty solid. It's something that I think a lot of people may enjoy. Your thoughts on this envisioning of Pinocchio by Benicio del Toro? Uh, it looks kind of cool, actually. I've heard good things about it, too. So I just haven't had time to sit, sit down and watch it. But, you know, if you watch what these guys are doing, the the stop motion, um, people don't do that anymore. And so it looks like there's a lot of, like, care put into this. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I haven't seen it yet, but I I want to see it. But Benicio del Toro, like he he seems like he's the last of like that era of filmmakers that really goes above and beyond trying to incorporate practical practical effects into everything he does. And I think that Pinocchio, if you watch the behind the scenes videos of people moving all the the uh, you know the feet and the arms and all that, like it it seems like it's made by somebody who loves what he does. It looks like it, but uh, I'm very excited to see how he envisions the story of Pinocchio. Again, Benicio Del Toro has done nothing but outstanding work, The Shape of Water. I think that was Best Picture, if I remember correctly. I think that uh, he's yeah, had right. a lot of great movies. The Hellboy series he started, uh, you know, obviously you've had a great fondness for that over the years and yeah uh, nightmare alley i think was one of his two correct yeah that was uh that was like a show that i think was on hbo no that was a movie that was the that was the movie oh was it because i know bradley bradley cooper was yeah, in it they, a movie. oh cabinet of curiosities that was the show yeah. that he did I, that was now, that I was a success seen. earlier this year that actually yeah. was a success yeah but, uh, yeah nightmare alley i think right. was thought of well but it didn't uh, translate into box office dollars from what i remember 
his movies don't always translate into box office dollars so you gotta put that in mind uh, but it is pinocchio it's coming out this week on netflix hopefully get a chance to see it i know josh will go out of his way to try and catch it at some point in time in the not too distant future being it his favorite director benicio del toro what are your thoughts on pinocchio on netflix please let us know your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com and also coming this week on netflix animated series I talked on Friday about how I was hoping to see more footage of a Mass Effect or Dragon Age from Bioware, like we have it past on the Game Awards. Didn't see any of that, but we are going to see some Dragon Age Absolution. That's coming this week on Netflix. Okay, so I saw, I logged on to Netflix. I actually didn't even know anything about this until I turned on the the Xbox the other day and saw that. But uh, I don't know. See, Dragon Age, it's weird because Dragon Age is a series that Everyone kept saying, hey, you have to get into if you love Mass Effect. So I was like, oh, all right. You turned it on. I It didn't pull me in as much as Mass Effect did. Like, I think I played three hours of it and turned it off. Big Dog, on the other hand, would live in that world if he could. So I, I have a feeling that he is probably watching this show, and he would probably be someone that we'd want to talk to about it. But the animation looks cool, and if I get really bored, maybe I will watch it. But... I'm not going to know anything about about the mythology. So if they were to remake Dragon Age or, or, or release it on the 360 in like one of those uh, Mass Effect packs, you know, like they did, that, that could be something I'd probably, you know, get me more into that lore. Well, Netflix has done a great job of ad- video game adaptations for the most part. I mean, they got uh, awarded with that uh, last week with the Video Game Awards. They want the best video game adaptation last week with the League of Legends adaptation that they that they had as far as uh, that series. I guess I also won, I think, an Emmy for best animation as well uh, when it comes to what the series was as far as that from the League of Legends that came out and, and really just did a great job of, of some of the best animation in quite some time on netflix yeah i'm not talking about the cuphead show even cuphead show has been a great series for them it's been a lot of those those shorts that really i've enjoyed so much on it but yeah i mean it's just been something where you know with arcane just really have hit the note with that and if they can follow anywhere close with dragon age absolution as they have with arcane from the league of legends universe my gosh, that could be another great series that they could have on hand. Yeah, yeah, mo- most definitely. I mean, there's a lot of... Because um, Arcane's been eating up all the awards. Yeah, Arcane. And, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I'd love to see Smite turned into something. like. There's a lot of potential for you know shows like that to be put on Netflix and turned into something big. You know, I'm still... Obviously, we're still waiting for Mass Effect, so... But not, you know, that's not an animated. I don't want an animated Mass Effect. Like, I want a legit real life there one. There has but been an animated Mass Effect. I think it was a Japanese. There, yeah. 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 Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I remember that. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I wish I had more background in some of these series on Netflix because I, they look great, you know, and I'd love to watch them. I just don't want to sit there and, like, I have a background with Castlevania. So, like, I know, you know, a lot of the characters and the, the storylines and all that. Because that's also but, coming up for Netflix. 
Mm -hmm. but some of these other ones i just i don't have a history with and i have story ocd so it's hard for me to just sit down and plug myself into something without knowing all the background yeah because they've had castlevania i think as a series already but i think they're doing another season of that if i'm not mistaken yes it's not the main line castlevania it's a different castlevania series adapting a different character okay but still uh, within the line of of like similar to what we see with arcane with legal legends you know it's it's yeah. taking the spirit from the game and then translating it on the screen and animated fashion so hopefully they can take that same success at netflix with arcane that they did such a great job on that they can do now with dragon age absolution like josh i have never really gotten into the dragon age series not like the mass effect series that's for sure I've always put my fantasy stock into the Elder Scrolls series, I think, as far as if you put a maybe a, a, an arrow to my head, as you would say, in the fantasy world. But yeah, that would probably be <laughs> my leaning towards that because I've spent so many hours in the Elder Scrolls. I'd love to see an Elder Scrolls uh, as far as an animated series. That would be cool. But I, okay, so hear me out for a second. The, the great thing about Elder Scrolls is the fact that you're like a nameless protagonist. Do you think it would ruin the magic if they like gave a name and a face to a character in that and had the show follow it? Well, I mean, it can't be any worse than meeting some of the NPCs in Elder Scrolls because some of the NPCs, you know, you... not only because the animation, but some of these, some of these, they have many NPCs in the world of Elder Scrolls, but not all of them are great conversation. That this is true. I, I mean, I would be fine either way. I just want to know who the lusty Argonian maid is. Like that, it's just been <laughs> such a mystery forever. Uh, that it has who knows with elder scroll six whenever it comes out that could still continue to be a mystery indeed but what are your thoughts out there on dragon age absolution as it hits netflix also this week looking forward to seeing if they can repeat their magic that they once uh, did already with arcane will they do it again with dragon age absolution please let us know your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com and before we head on out to the break i want to go ahead and Here's some thoughts on Callisto Protocol from you, my friend. It is a spiritual sequel to the Dead Space series. I know this is something, Dead Space, that you have enjoyed over the years. You've enjoyed them very much. Your thoughts on Callisto Protocol, which came out on the second and has gotten okay reviews, pretty solid reviews, before we head on out. Yeah, I don't know. So I haven't I haven't had a chance to play. My wife actually cut me off from buying things, uh, especially video games through the month of December. So I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Ever since the Dead Space franchise ended, like there has been like an emptiness lurking as far as like what would you call it? Like a visceral shooter space whore. Yeah, there's been a, a definite emptiness there and i know that callisto protocol started out as a uh like a add-on for PUBG, mm-hmm. and then uh, the uh the devs were like oh this takes this like doesn't make any sense to have in PUBG world anymore so they created its own thing so i've been watching some videos and like it was giving me anxiety like watching you run from things and uh just like the cinematics and I'm sitting there like, oh, wow, like if this is doing this to me, just watching like a 30 second video clip, imagine what the actual game's going to do. And uh, I cannot wait to get my hands on it. Is it something that you're going to check out? It is something I'm going to go ahead and check out, uh, you know, because the dead space, space horror type genre hasn't been touched on too much outside of some eh, give or take good or bad 
Alien games and GTFO and a couple other games that have been okay at best. Hopefully this will scratch that itch, but we won't know that until the Dead Space remake, I think, is scheduled for next year release. So we'll see. I think think it's March. Yeah, so the success of uh, Callisto Protocol, I think, depends on how good it matches up against the original Dead Space. I think a lot of people that were behind the original Dead Space games are think are part of Callisto Protocol. So if you get a chance, please check it out. Also, remember when you can, if you want to get really into the mythology of it, I believe there are accompanying podcasts, if I'm not mistaken, that were setting up the world of Callisto Protocol least what happened as far as the prison that on space that out in space that actually happens on this planet a prison break or something like that something happens and they have to investigate it and that just starts the mystery even further before you even get into what's going on with the game so yeah callisto protocol yeah go ahead oh sorry do you think that much like doom it's going to revolve or it revolves around like a space doom and dead space it revolves around like a space cult alien artifact that they found and messed with but they probably shouldn't have probably they usually uh, delves into something humans you know whether in their prison or not they're just they cannot stay away from the nice shiny object that gets them in a whole bunch of trouble you know that yeah, yeah that's cool let me touch it yeah there you go absolutely it's not going to do anything to me no no it's not <laughs> Exactly. What's the worst thing that happened? Exactly. You know, what alien? What alien's going to jump out and bite my head off? <laughs> you never know. You never know. But do you think yeah. this would go ahead before the Dead Space remake? Do you think this really scratches that itch? I think so. I think it does that and more. Like I, and don't get me wrong. Like I love Dead Space, but they're doing a a remake of the original game, so it's not it's not something new. And I think Kalisa Protocol is. Well, the Dead Space remake will be fun. This is something new. This is territory and writing that we've never experienced before. And I think that that this is this is something that was much needed in that genre. I mean, th- that genre really just needed anything. And I think that yes, this is scratching that itch. What are your thoughts out there on Callisto Protocol? It's been out for a couple of weeks, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on if you think it's going to scratch that itch for a lot of gamers out there when it comes to space survival horror please let us know your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com and if you're ready to talk toys i haven't stopped talking toys let's get to it it's the jay and rob toy show and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of toy talking goodness and this time we talk marvel figures we talk dc figures holy grails play sets what if scenarios and so much more but we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that and of course our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show Season 2 exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. We're back with the second half of the show but before we get to Melinda and I unboxing what's in the box before we head on out my friend I want to go ahead and ask you some things that stood out to you this past week because it was the video game celebration they do once a year and that is the Game Awards. I know Melinda and I talked about the success of God of War Ragnarok and the ultimate victory for the game of the year, Elden Ring, which was a small surprise. Not a big surprise, but it was a small surprise because it was going in as a number two favorite, I think, because God of War Ragnarok won a lot of awards heading into that final award, but ultimately couldn't get it done. Your thoughts on anything about as far as the awards themselves or any of the videos that you saw? Because there were a ton of video game announcements while you were there. 
Yeah, I'm actually. I've spent a long time like googling the uh, watching the it. By the way, you weren't actually there at, in L.A. But yes. Yeah, I was. I've been trying to like Google the church that Bill Clinton is apparently a rabbi at, and I've just I haven't quite found any luck with that one. Yeah, that was that was a funny part. Uh, somebody, a kid, at the very end, as the team from Elden Ring were accepting their award, a kid started uh, on stage. He actually got on stage and. Got a little bit of uh, time on the mic talking, babbling about something about that. You know what? He got the best Christmas, I guess, that the Game Awards can give him. They gave him a rap sheet because he was arrested soon after. So, but it's just funny, like how Merry Christmas, he got a rap sheet. He did. Yeah. But it's just funny how easy he was able to get up on that stage. Like they just, I don't know, they just like assumed like he was part of the dev team or something, but he just, he just casually walks up on stage and was able to grab the microphone and nobody stopped him just a really relaxed security i guess and of all the things he could say when he gets that time in the sun he says garbage like that just yeah you know, what an yeah. idiot absolutely the yeah. i'm gonna so, say that i'm gonna say that clearly what an idiot what an idiot but anyways uh you know back to that question yes there are some things i did love i think elden ring's a great game but it's not like a very accessible game. Does that make like it's not something that like it's not an easy it, game to play. It's not an easy game. Like yeah, that's what I mean when accessible. It's not like something that like casual gamers can sit and play. You know, I I got like halfway through it. I didn't give up on it. I just haven't turned it back on because there are other things I wanted to play. I guess what irritates me about it about it is that it doesn't like cover every like faucet of gaming, uh, you know, possibility. It doesn't have a the story is like meh. The fighting's cool. The world is really cool. It, it's just, it doesn't check all the boxes, but it checks most of them. God of War, I'm still not sure how I feel about it because it does a lot of hand-holding and it's very linear and it's got almost too much storytelling. So, I mean, I look at the games that were nominated for Game of the Year and I don't know where I would have put my vote in that, um, you know, in that pool. But uh, I, I think that both games were worthy of the awards that they won that night. I think so as well, but I would have kind of leaned towards Atari 50, the anniversary collection, because I'm having such <laughs> nice. a fun time with that. So I'm just going to say that out loud. So I think that's a sensational game. Uh, one of the best uh, that I played in quite some time. So that's just good, me, good, man. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I will say also as well that, yeah, both of those games deserve it. I mean, God of War Ragnarok had the late in the year hype, obviously, because it was a later release. But then you also had Elden Ring which destroyed the Sony releases of Gran Turismo 7 and Horizon Forbidden West, which was still nominated. But you remember mm -hmm. we were talking about it, how Horizon Forbidden West came out with all this hype and all this, you know, goodwill and good, you know, actually acclaim. And then all of a sudden Elden Ring comes out soon after and was like, oh, did, did Horizon come annihilates out? It. Yeah, yeah, they didn't really like do a lot of mention of Horizon at the VGAs this year, but they did uh, talk about the expansion coming out. I think it's mm -hmm. in march or april or something like that yeah uh, the vr game as well yeah yeah that and that actually looks pretty cool i i was really excited to I and mean, obviously they showed a new trailer for final fantasy that looked cool and star wars looked looks really cool also i think that one got snagged like a march release date yeah the successor to jedi fallen order yeah but I, I think of all the things they announced at the thing at the awards i was really excited about armored core returning do you remember that game 
Yes, I do. Uh, at, this is Armored Core 6. Armored Core mistaken. 6, yeah, yes. Fires of Rubicon. I, the last one came out on the 360, and this was it came out like the same week as Gears of War did, the first one. So, like, we haven't seen an Armored Core game since then. And uh, I think, I, I don't, I, I could be wrong on that, so feel free to fact check me. But I don't know, I always really enjoyed those games. You know, like, uh, I love Chrome Hounds, it was not related, but like, I love the build a robot and fight your, you know, fight games. Like those are, those are fun. And I was always like curious if they were ever going to make another armored core game. And here they go. It so, looks, uh, looks pretty cool. So funny. Cause you mentioned gears of war and I, I did, I told Melinda this, but I didn't tell you. Cause I, I, I told you I did get an Xbox series S a couple weeks ago. It's okay. funny, the, the first game I played on it was a game from 2006, the original gears of war. Did you was it the ultimate one or was it uh the 360 version? 360 version, of course. Mm. The lowest fidelity. Are you gonna <laughs> jump on Games Pass? I will when the time is right, my friend. I'm just waiting for the big release. Uh, no reason to get it for me now. I mean, there's a games on there that I could go ahead and endlessly play and whatnot, but I'm waiting until uh, I think Redfall or Starfield to come out. I really think that if I bite my time and I get my year then in. I think it's going to work out a lot better because not only will I have a lot of time to spend with that, but a whole bunch of games added on to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know you get a free, so you get a free year, right? I think if you buy the Xbox, but you also get, if you don't use that, it's like a dollar, you get a, a month for a dollar and mm-hmm. uh, it's a nice little, uh, you know, nice little taster of, uh, you know, the different offerings so far yeah. in there. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and Starfield's right around the corner. So you know you'll probably you can trigger that thing the moment that that game drops and spend the uh <laughs> the 30 something hours waiting for the game to install exactly exactly indeed but i overall i thought it was a pretty good game awards didn't think the uh announcements were awesome mind-bending but they, i thought they were okay yeah nothing crazy i mean the the big one obviously was the Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and then just like everything else in the games industry, got spoiled like three days before it was supposed to be talked about. So that was, uh, you know, we all kind of knew that that was going to happen. I, I have a question for you. What do you think about the new Street Fighter game? It looks interesting. Street Fighter Six, I believe. Yeah, it just like all the it has all these like mini games in it, and it looks definitely different. And uh, how? How do you feel about and how do you think the lifelong fans of Street Fighter and just like the esports arena are going to feel about this? And the Tekken 8 as well. Tekken 8 and Street Fighter 6 both debuted uh, gameplay videos uh, during the Game Awards. When it comes to Street Fighter 6, it's about the fluidity and about the speed. of the, And if the, that to be when I first look at it at first glance, didn't have the fluidity or speed that I, I am used to from Street Fighter. Yeah. So maybe I'm wrong on that. So I'm hoping I'm wrong on that. But, you know, as someone who used to play the older Street Fighters quite a bit on consoles and at the arcades, you know, I, I'm expecting certain things from Street Fighter. And I'm not sure with all the side stuff in it or the actual gameplay fluidity, you know, if that worked, that's what we're going to get. So I, I'm going to keep my eyes open, my reservations uh, a little bit on that. But We'll see. I mean, it looked to me it looked a little better though than Tekken Eight. Uh, Tekken Eight, I still think it's has got a long way to go. Yeah, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, Street Fighter Six is going to be the one that that's been heavily promoted by Sony, 
as it will continue to do so on a, on the PlayStation platform. Yeah, no, that's yeah. Te- I mean, te- Tekken sells. You know, I, I think it, it sells enough to make it worth making, but it, it's no Street Fighter. Yeah. You know, and I look at Street Fighter, and it, it the animation in this one looks like it went from. You know, like how you used to have like you had like a Madden or NFL like NFL. Uh, what was it? Not Blitz, but uh, like NFL Fever game. Mm-hmm. And then they come out with like NFL Street. Like that's what the animation differences look like. It's something that it went from being like a kind of a, a dark, bland thing, and now it's just like, it's so vibrant and colorful. And I just don't know. Like, how, I want to see more gameplay because like I'm just curious, like how that's going to uh, affect the fan base you know remember when it comes to fighting games it's all about the net code net code net code and how fast and fluid as you said esports is such an integral part of the fighting scene and if it's not something that the fighting game fans are going to be able to stick with then that's a death knell for a fighting game Mm -hmm. if they don't stick with it yeah yeah absolutely so who knows it could be good i mean if it it I'm fascinated enough to want to pick it up and play it, but I'm not the the one that they're marketing to. You know, I'm just like the casual. I'll check it out when it, uh, you know, when it comes out or if it hits Games Pass or whatever. But I'm not the hardcore esport uh, fighting game type. So I just, you know, I'm just curious how this like gamers hate change. So I'm just curious how this change is going to affect them. Definitely going to check that out uh, and wait and see exactly like you said how it's gauged by the fighting game industry and the fans that are supporting it and the esports and all that. So we'll see how that works out between Tekken 8 versus Street Fighter 6 when both come out or scheduled to come out next year because, you know, you can't say that they're definitely going to come out because the way that video games are, they can and might and possibly and most likely will be delayed you know, seeing the way things have gone Mm -hmm. lately. The Hellboy game was, was interesting. The really, really unique animation style, like all hand drawn by Mike Manola. And surprise, surprise, you hear who is doing the voice of Hellboy in the game? No, I didn't. Was it David Harbour himself? It was Ron Perlman. Oh, there you yeah, go. The so original movie Hellboy. Very interesting. But yeah, it looks kind of cool. Absolutely. Speaking of big name stars in video games. The one game that I think is going to be a huge hit or miss, there's going to be no in-between, is a game by the 505 Game Studio, which not has, has not brought out the best always in video games. They have a kind of shaky here and there type uh, success ratio, but they're coming out with a game next year that they actually debuted. It is called Crime Boss, Rock A City. Mm. It's yeah. a first-person shooter. It's coming out, and it you know the gameplay looks rudimentary, first-person shooter type deal. That's that's not the issue. Very uh, cyberpunk-ish in a way, as far as the style I and the look. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. You, yeah, I don't. It it sounds cool. I don't think I'm gonna play it though because like cyberpunk is just plenty enough of that genre for me. It looks like a cross between, uh, how should I say, uh, Call of Duty, Cyberpunk, and GTA Vice City. I think that's probably the best way I can explain mm-hmm. it. But it's the number of, I'm not going to say star stars now, because most, you know, all these guys are like 
doing like straight to video type deals now for the most part, except for Michael Rooker, you know, who's still part of the Guardians of the Galaxy as well thought of anyways. But, you know, when you have Michael Madsen, you have Chuck Norris, mm-hmm. Danny Trejo, Danny Glover, Damien Poitier, Kim Basinger, Michael Rooker, and <laughs> Vanilla Ice. That's an eclectic group to say the Can't least. Go wrong there. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand it's 505 Games reaching out to every actor that is looking for a paycheck at this point in time that had a name or still has a name. But again, this the look of this is intriguing me. But again, this is either going to be a massive failure or a big success. And I don't think it's going to be either way. I, I think it's only going to be either way. I don't think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah, it's and or you know, the, it's always all the names in it, you know, especially Vanilla Ice. Like, people are either going to be like, Hey, I'm pleasantly surprised by this, or it's going to be the next like meme movement. Ice, ice, baby, ice, yeah, ice. <laughs> right. I wonder if he's going to be rolling in his 5.0. <laughs> What are your thoughts out there? I thought that was pretty good. I was setting you up for that one. But what are your thoughts out there on everything that's going on with the Game Awards? Did you like what you saw of it? Did you like the presentations? Do you like the winners or have issues with the winners? Or did you like the video game reveals, including what we talked about with Crime Boss, Rock A, City? I didn't even talk to you about Judas. I talked a little bit with Melinda. What are your thoughts yeah. on Judas from Ken Levine, the creator of Bioshock? This looks like a Bioshock successor, much like we're seeing with Callisto Protocol being a spiritual successor to Dead Space. It's it's the same game that he's all that he always makes. It's the same exact game, but it's in space, mm-hmm. and it's got a female protagonist. Like that's that is really the only difference. Like he, he just made much like Vin Diesel only plays one character in his movies. Mm-hmm. Ken Levine only makes one game and it's Bioshock with different skins. Yeah, It definitely looks like that. So we'll see uh, when it comes to Judas crime boss, Rocky city or anything else that was presented and debuting as a video for a potential release in 2023 and beyond as far as world premiere videos part of the game awards but if you have any thoughts in the game awards please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com coming up after the break i've got a reveal with melinda that we recorded on friday want to go ahead and play that for the folks out there listening on audio and on radio then after that josh and i will go ahead and talk a little bit more about what's in the box plus is it time to play witcher 3 again we'll talk about that coming up as we close out the show This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, the last thing I want to mention is something you're familiar with, Tabletop RPG 
the one ring is something that you got a hold of as far as at least little bits and pieces of it that really intrigued you. You told me in the community it's really becoming something popular. Yeah. Well, I got something on top of that just sent to me by the great folks at Free League Publishing. They're just doing an outstanding job there. This is coming out on the 13th, and I am so blessed and so thankful to Freya and everyone there for allowing me the opportunity to go ahead and showcase this. It is big and heavy right now. This is oh actually gosh. something that I cannot wait to showcase you for an IP that is much beloved on the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you've listened to us over the years, you know we have such a great affection for Blade Runner. We've said so much about the original movie. We've said so much about the sequel. We're so excited for the Amazon series that's going to come up at some point in time. The animated series that we thought was really cool as well. Almost anything the Blade Runner universe has really got us going. And as I unbox this now, just to let you know, I've got it right here for you. Oh, just incredible. Incredible. How does it smell? Give me, give me, give me box smell. How does it smell? Oh, styrofoam. (laughs) Styrofoam. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much to Melinda Barkhouse Ross for sharing my unboxing. My friend, before again, I show everybody out there what was in the box that I got from our good friends at Free League Publishing. Big shout out to them. I do want to mention that Witcher 3 is coming out with a next-gen update. It is coming out this week. Is it time to get back into the world of Witcher 3 after two seasons now of the Witcher series? They're going to add some content from the Witcher series as part of this next-gen update. Is it time to go back into the world? Of the Witcher 3. Oh, there's never a bad time to go back into the world of the Witcher 3. Mm-hmm. You know, I want an excuse to play the game again, but I might wait. You know, I might wait until the remake of the first one comes out and then, you know, play them in succession before I go back. Mm-hmm. I've actually had the Witcher 3, but I actually have not been able to spend as much time as I'd like into it. So, if I do get a chance to get the update on it, I will probably spend some more time because. As you and I both know, there's a ton, an absolute ton of content there with The Witcher 3. And if they added more with things that people that watch the Netflix show are familiar with, that's just going to make it even more attractive. I'm hoping they just don't run into the same problems that they did with Cyberpunk 2077. Everyone's going to be skeptical of anything that they put out now because of what happened with Cyberpunk. But I think that they've done a great job of making it up to the fans i think they've worked hard they've been very transparent and they've kept updating the fan base as they go they've made their apologies i haven't seen the same thing come out of ea in terms of mass effect so i luck yeah well they kind of like just kind of brushed everything they did under the rug with andromeda at least cd project red for all the shortcomings that that game had they have been trying their best to do right by the fans so would you go back in with Geralt? Absolutely, yes. I like that world. I like anything that has to do with you know fantasy things. And The Witcher 3, it was a monumental undertaking you know, playing that game because it took forever. But Geralt of Rivia, per se? You want to be Geralt of Rivia one more time? One more time. Okay. I'm at, actually at very interested. Yeah. I'm very intrigued, my friend. Uh, this is something, again, I didn't get to spend much time the first time around with Geralt Rivia. So I'm looking forward to maybe if I get a chance or if I get a code or if I get a copy of it, 
digital download for my Xbox Series S. Maybe uh, thinking about doing that. So we'll see. It uh, depends. Again, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of interest into it. So we'll see. I might wait, seeing how they had the issues with Cyberpunk 2077. Might wait just a week or two just to see how it flows out as far as any technical glitches, you know, before I really get into it. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's never a wrong time to play The Witcher 3. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right, my friend. But what do you think out there about the next-gen update coming this week for The Witcher 3? Are you ready to play as Geralt of Rivia once again? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. We want to make sure before we head on out, we go ahead and let you know that Friday's show, we're going to be covering... The biggest movie release possibly of this year, Avatar The Way of Water. That's coming out later this week. Uh, I know that you and I on the Monday show next Monday will be gauging the success, the box office success, because there's a lot of pressure at Disney right now for that movie to become a success. I know it is going to be a big release in China, which is one of the first big releases of China in quite some time as far as an American movie is concerned. So your thoughts on Avatar The Way of Water? It looks exactly like the first movie except with water. I'm not saying that to be critical. I know I have like not great things about James Cameron most of the time. I mean, regarding his attitude, not him as a filmmaker. But, you know, I'm sitting there watching this trailer today and it literally is the same exact movie. Like you have the ah and ooh and nature and water and animals and you have that like, oh, it fills my my spirit with so many great feelings. And then you see the machines and the the machine guns and the helicopters. It is literally the first movie, but in an ocean. I know a lot of people are excited for it. Will it do the kind of numbers it needs to do? Because it needs to do a lot. I mean, the reported budget and with the marketing costs and all that, it could skyrocket to about $400 million for all said and done before the movie even comes out. So we'll see what happens. That means a ton of cash needs to be made for it to be a success. Will it beat Top Gun Maverick by the end of its run? I think that's about $1.2 billion. Yeah, this goes back to you know, what Rob McCallum was saying, like, does it really have the cultural footprint that it once did 10 years after the original one came out? Does it have the power to do that still? I don't know. I'm not sure if it will in the States, but it probably still has that foothold overseas. I really think that it's going to earn some major bucks overseas. I think it will land somewhere between the 1.2 billion ish that Top Gun Maverick made and the 1.8 billion ish that Spider-Man No Way Home made. I think it's going to fall somewhere between there. I think if they're expecting a $2 billion movie, I mean, I hope they get it. I hope I'm wrong, just because of the fact we always want to see good movies being you know, out there that are making money because it helps the movie industry. But that's a tough ask to do right now in today's climate. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's why I'm wondering if it's even going to cross a billion because a lot of the audience that went to see it, yeah, there are a lot of families and young adults that when teenagers went to go see it, but a lot of the later showings after for a couple of weeks were older people that went to go see it, but they're not really paying to go to the movie theaters anymore. Well, this early release in China will dictate it, I think. The fact that it's doing something that not a lot of other movies in the past three years have been able to do, and that's get a release in China day and date so i think that's going to help out a lot and we'll see what the crowd and climate is like there i know there's still restrictions there in place in china but we'll see what happens i think the international market is going to be key to this movie's success 
Yeah, and I mean, we'll see. Will it be the popcorn event of the year? Who knows? It's possible. But before we end it out, my friend, I do also want to mention for next Monday's show and the week after, we're going to be talking about the best of Josh Peterson in pop culture for him and then also the worst in pop culture for Josh Peterson as well. That'll be also coming up in the next two episodes. Yes, yes. (laughs) A year of pop culture will be judged. I've been taking my notes throughout the year, so I don't have to go scrambling. So I've got them all right here, right up on my screen. So I'm looking forward to sprinkling my best and worst also with you and Melinda as well, coming up here in our Christmas episodes and New Year episodes as we head on into a 2023. But before we head on out, my friend, again, Free League Publishing, I found this in the box right there for you. What's in the box? It's none other than Blade Runner, the role-playing game. That's right. The Blade Runner IP for the first time has really gotten into tabletop RPG action. And I've got actually the starter set right here. I also have the core rules book. And then last but not least, I got this as well. This is the Game Runner screen for Blade Runner, the role-playing game. Because I will open up at a later date as far as for out there on a separate video. I think I'm going to go ahead and do that. But I want to give everybody an idea. It comes out this week for everyone out there. If you're interested in tabletop RPG and you love Blade Runner like we do, we want to go ahead and let you know that it is going to be available. You can actually pre-order right now, but it is going to be available this week from freeleaguepublishing.com. It is right there for you. It's looking sensational. I am so thankful for Free League for sending this to me. What I have in my hand right here. All this is the Blade Runner RPG Rep Detect Bundle. This is $106 flat on the site because if you buy it separately, the starter kit is $47 thereabouts. The rule book, the core rule book is $50. And the Blade Runner screen for the Game Master or Dungeon Master, as it were, is $23.94. So that's a great value. Plus they have other great digital and dice options in the Blade Runner motif there as well. So if you get a chance, please check it out, freeleaguepublishing.com. Order it today if you are as big a fan as I am and as big a fan as Josh is of the Blade Runner. And you've heard us, if you've been listening to the show, for years talk about our love for Blade Runner. There's no better gift to get. You still have time to get it as a Christmas gift for the Blade Runner fan in your life. Do it. Do it. Turn your character into a thief replicant with a troubled past. There you go. That's what we're going to have to set up. You and I are going to have to set up a game. If I open this up, we're going to have to set up a game. All right. Hey, I don't want to DM it. I just want to play it. So if you guys want to tell a story, I'm down. But if you have any thoughts on it or questions, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. My friend, been a great episode as always. But any last thoughts before we head on out? No, not that I can think of. I learned today that the world of Funko Pop is endless and the depths of which I will never understand. I think Funko Pops are cool, but there's so many people that know so many things about them, but they don't collect anything else except Funko Pop. So I wish I had the knowledge to understand that world a little bit better, but there's so much of it. Well, my friend, if at all possible, I will hopefully get some information for you that may help you better understand the world of Funko Pop. I'm hoping to get the opportunity to stop by the Museum of Funko Pop later this month in Seattle. So I'm hoping to do that. But looking forward to my friend, wishing you well, continued success. It's a happy quarter. Please go ahead and follow 
Josh the Great at thehappyhoarder.com and Happy Hoarder on Facebook today to find out more great stuff that he's selling in the world of pop culture. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.